Welcome to this edition of Net Zero Investor with Mona, where we examine how institutional investors tackle climate change, the biggest challenge of the 21st century. So with us today, we've got Frederick Nuström, Head of Sustainability and Governance at the Swedish pension fund AP3, which has about 48 billion US dollar in assets under management as of mid last year. And we want to talk a little bit about the outlook for 2024, but also because AP3 is quite a significant investor in equities about its um, plans for the AGM season and, and kind of broader outlook on stewardship and engagement. Um, Frederick, it's really lovely to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Mona, for having me. Okay, so obviously um, 2023 has been quite eventful. Do you want to um, tell us a little bit in, in summary how your climate strategy evolved throughout that year? Yeah, absolutely. Put in short, I think we've gone from talking to, to walking. Our board made a decision a, a few years back, climate should be one of our focus areas. And since then, and especially during 2023, we have been working intensively on, on kind of discussing, assessing, evaluating what does it mean in practice for us to work with climate change as a focus area. Uh, so um, we have produced what we now have published as, as an action plan telling how we should achieve our net zero goal by 2045. So that's, that's been very much our focus for, for the last year. Um, so going into the new year, do you have any priorities in terms of stewardship and engagement that, that you want to focus on? Yeah, in our work, we based our strategy on the Paris Align Investment Initiative and that framework uh, from an institutional investor group on, on climate change. And within that framework, and according to that framework, we um, have identified companies that are responsible for the majority of our AP3, so to say, CO2 emissions. And that is approximately 50 companies out of close to 1,000 companies. So it's a quite a restricted list, actually, for us to uh, a list of companies to engage with, and also within those fifty-three, even if um, they are responsible for the majority of our emissions, some of them have come quite far when it comes to climate strategies and started producing their emissions while a few others has longer to go. So we're not going to have to engage with all these 50 companies. We also, within that group, have a prioritization where we're going after those that we see have a really lagging on, on, on climate and on climate strategies. Okay, interesting. So can you perhaps give some specific examples of these 50 companies which are specifically in your focus and where you want to concentrate your stewardship efforts this year? Well, of course, among those we have both transport companies, uh, automobiles, but also oil and gas extraction. We don't apply an exclusion filter uh, such, but so, but we are very conservative on where, so if you put it that, that way. When we invest in, if you talk about oil and gas companies, very conservative on where to invest. So we have high demands and high expectations on these companies. Even though some of them have, have come further, it's still much to do. So we're going to focus in on, on, on a few of those oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. um, are there any resolutions that you're supporting? Are you working with other investors on, on, on putting resolutions forward at these companies? Yeah, absolutely. First, we, we're going to continue uh, the work we started a few years, years back that we are very open to support resolutions that other investors have filed. We are more happy to support than, than to say no, actually, because it's always a positive signal to companies if, if with a 
great support for those resolutions. But also we're involved in um, filing a resolution at the AGM for Shell coming up later this year, where we see a big need for push on that company to be more proactive on climate and have a more much more ambitious uh, climate strategy. Okay. And do you have an escalation strategy around that? So if that, I mean, historically, these resolutions don't have the best track record being accepted. Yeah. What do you do if it, um, if it doesn't pass? Well, I don't want to speculate about that. Let's start with the resolution. I agree with you. There's been not always that positive or that support that's needed to actually get the companies moving. But we still want to try that out again. When it comes to Shell, they uh, communicate that they are actually, as we speak, reviewing and updating their climate strategy, and they will put out a new strategy close to this summer. So we believe it's a good timing now to actually really raise this question, bring it to the company, bring it also out in the public. So we're very clear to the companies what we expect and hopefully what the majority of the investors in the company also expect. So as part of that, do you think you're going to meet with Shell executives as well, just to, just to add the pressure or will other investors, other asset owners maybe meet um, with them? We have regular meetings with the company, uh, not always the, the management, but that's one thing we hope to, to achieve. Uh, but if we don't get to meet the management, at least it's clear we have signaled to them very clearly what, what we and the other investors with the, uh, working together here uh, want. So what do you think are the key sticking points here when you talk to them? Is it something like transition targets or scope three emissions? What are the things where you want yeah, to see you progress? Yeah, you one there, the, the scope three targets. And we want to see targets that are confirmed by a third party, that they are in line with the Paris Agreement, well below two degree scenario. We want them to have targets that ensure that they will actually reduce emission in absolute terms. Today, they have intensity targets. That is good, but it's absolutely not near what's needed because they can reduce intensity, but still increase absolute emissions. So more, more, more stricter targets that, that lead to a clear reduction of, of, of absolute emissions. Adding to that also clear targets on investments in renewable. We've seen they had that kind of targets before they moved away from that. We want to see that they have clear shift from investments in extraction and fossil fuels to more investment in the renewable space. Um, so that's for Shell specifically. Are there any other companies that are on your radar where you really want to step up the stewardship effort this um, year? Well, there, there are several companies, actually. I think Shell is maybe the company where we have a, the most clear picture as of today. We're actually having working plans and meetings within AP3 this, this week where we are kind of sitting down and discussing priorities for the AGM season. So. Okay, that's something we should definitely keep talking about then. I mean, just taking a bit more of a general look, there are some other stewardship and engagement commitments you've been involved in recently. I mean, you, you're also quite active in, in, in Mining 2030, or this is something you're supporting um, can you tell us a bit more about that? What's your yeah, thinking absolutely. behind it? And in this case, we won't talk about mining 2030. I'm, I'm putting on my hat for the joint counter ethics for the AP funds. 
we are all involved in this. And why we are doing it, this is because we believe the mining industry is kind of one of the sectors for the future. Is we're going to need the mining industry for really achieving the transition away from fossil fuel to renewables. And in, in, in many aspects, the demand for materials and minerals is going to increase significantly over time. But we have that increased demand has to come with a sustainable way of mining. So that's why we are engaging in within this sector. We see a lot of challenges around the globe, so to speak, uh, when it comes to mining. A lot of raw materials are extracted and found in, in challenging environments, which put an extra stress on companies being active in those areas. So it's really important for the, these companies to really know what they do, make proper uh, due diligence before they enter new markets and new extraction. They have to take more social responsibility into consideration. It's not only environmental issues related to mining. We've also seen increased social risks in, in mining. We've seen mining be closed because of lack of uh, social license to operate. So community involvement, stakeholder dialogue is becoming increasingly important for this sector and for these companies. And we as investors want to have this dialogue with the, with the industry and with the companies to really get that message through. That's really interesting, Frederick. I mean, mining is, is also obviously something, do you think it's on investors' radar that we, we have a scarcity of resources here that might potentially hinder the transition to renewable energy? I think it is on the radar, absolutely, but not from a sustainability point of view or what it means in sustainability for a sustainable way, what the increasing demand actually entails. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's interesting you mentioned it. So um, one of the books on my reading list for Christmas was A Material World by um, by Ed Conway. And it, it was just really mind-blowing how much we're exploiting the world's resources um, and, and that we've actually kind of pretty much already hit a limit in, in many commodities. So you mentioned also what it means for people. Is that um, some examples of issues like, for example, slavery or, or exploitation, labor standards? What can asset owners do to, to tackle those kind of issues? Well, one aspect that we have already been working with from the AP funds and also together with the Church of England Pension Board is tailings and tailings management. Because for every kilo of raw material you extract, you have several hundreds of tailings that you have to put somewhere and do something with. And that aspect... So jump in, what are tailings? Tailings is what you don't need. If you uh, extract copper, for example, yeah, you have you get a lot of rocks, uh, sand, a lot of other stuffs that this copper is, is uh, extracted from that you um, bring to the surface and that you have to do something with that you, you can't use it for any for any certain purposes. It's just waste. And th that is a big challenge, that big amount of, of waste and big amount of tailings. Too. And we've seen last few years some really tragic incidents here in Brazil, for example, where tailings dam has broken down and crashed and destroyed the, the local environment and killed people. And with the increasing demand and the increasing extraction, that issue is going to become even more challenging and even more waste to manage. That's one aspect. And that has a social impact, of course, because you put that waste somewhere around the mine. And that has an impact on the local communities. If you don't make it properly, it can pollute. 
So if you don't dispose of the waste properly, it can pollute local communities? It pollute local communities. If you have dams that are not built properly and are not safe, that can also have a negative impact on, on local communities. You need land and areas to put this, and you might need to move people and villages away from, from this area. So there are, there are a lot of social aspects to take into consideration. Very interesting. So in a way, it's a, it's a really good illustration of how historically investors have always been slightly detached from the consequences of what they invested in. And here you have to really get into the nitty gritty and understand the mechanics of the mining process and all the consequences around it, right? Rather than just saying, I invest in this piece of paper <laughs> and it's giving me a certain return. So are there any any big moves from, for mining 2030 that we should be keeping an eye out for in 2024? The initiative is that they pretty early stage. It was formally launched in November. But what is happening now is that the initiative is, is conducting a, a feasibility study, actually going into the drivers for the industry. How do we foresee the demand? How do we foresee the supply? What challenges does that put on the industry? And we are trying to see what kind of standards and management systems do we need to have in place for companies to address those issues and do we have all relevant standards in place or does new standards need to be developed? Maybe also can we put different standards together? Is there an overlap between different standards and make it complex for the, for the companies to really to work with this? So what we're doing now is, is that kind of the, the feasibility study and the pre-study that will then be a basis for the way forward uh, for the commission and for the uh, initiative. So a lot more emphasis on putting things into practice. Yeah, mapping out the world. Where where do we stand today and what do we need to do actually to kind of achieve this sustainable uh, mining industry? Thank you very much, Frederick. That's really interesting. And I'll be keeping a close eye. Obviously, I was going to anyway, the Shell AGM. I'm probably going to be there in person. But um, yeah, best of luck with filing that resolution and keep us updated on any plans going forward. It's been a pleasure having you here. We'll keep you updated. And thank you very much for, for this discussion. It was nice. Thank you, Frederick. Let's speak soon.